a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Lily Liu. Here are the headlines for this hour. Boosting investment, China's Commerce Ministry discussed the implementation of recent measures to attract foreign investment and improve business environment. Restoring confidence, the Hong Kong SAR outlines its budget for the new fiscal year with steps planning to boost market confidence and consolidate growth. EV impetus. Experts in Japan are calling for an urgent improvement in Japan's electric vehicle infrastructure as China takes the lead in December's EV exports. The Chinese Ministry of Commerce has discussed the implementation of recently announced measures aimed at boosting foreign investment. Wednesday's roundtable tackled the 24 measures covering six areas, and these include improving the quality of foreign capital utilization with a focus on the service sector and fostering a market-oriented, law-based business environment. Data from the Commerce Ministry shows that foreign direct investment into China fell nearly 17 percent to 157 billion billion dollars in 2023, but the flows are still at historically high levels. Provinces throughout China are stepping up efforts to stabilize foreign investment at the beginning of the year. Zhejiang province published a plan to bring in foreign invested projects that are worth more than 100 million U.S. dollars. In the meantime, the city of Shanghai initiated a series of events to continue to optimize the business environment to attract foreign enterprises. And Fujian launched 25 detailed measures to promote the use of foreign capital and improve the treatment of foreign invested enterprises. At the same time, a new batch of major foreign investment projects launched by the National Development and Reform Commission have been steadily advanced in Liaoning and Jiangsu provinces. U.S. businesses are cautiously optimistic about their investments in China amid bilateral trade tensions showing signs of easing. The latest report by the American Chamber of Commerce in South China says a majority of surveyed companies plan to continue investing in the country over the coming year. Huang Fei reports. More than 180 companies from diverse industries took part in the survey, half of them American firms. 76% of respondents say they plan to reinvest in China this year, a slight increase from the year before. But most companies are treading lightly, with only 3% planning investments exceeding 250 million U.S. dollars. In your view, what are the main concerns and caution among American firms? Well, the caution is the fact that uh, COVID did a lot of damage to the economy, to the supply chain, not just in China, but the world over. And of course, recovery from that is going to take some time. The China's GDP model is changing. When we look at, uh, used to be exports were driver of the increase in the GDP. Today, uh, uh, consumer base, the bigger the market gets, the more opportunities for us, and therefore we want to make sure that we capture the market share. U.S. companies and manufacturers report the most contraction revenue growth last year, many citing fierce local competition as a major challenge. Despite this, they believe China still offers better overall returns on investment than global alternatives. Toilet care company Fluid Master's reinvestment in China is focused on automation. Right now, we have a lot of Chinese talent. They have really skilled, like engineering on the management side and also the skilled workers. And that is much more valuable than just pure labor. 
It's so easy for communication. So easy we can work together. All right, we cannot say that uh, very profitable in China overall operation cost in China is very competitive still. U.S.-China relations are also weighing on business minds. But 44% of respondents expect bilateral relations to improve this year, a record high. Recent discussions between the U.S. Treasury and Chinese financial officials in Beijing covered issues such as financial stability and cross-border payments. And more talks are planned. Every $1 billion of U.S. investment translates into $180 billion in new GDP each and every year once it's invested. And we want them to continue to focus on increasing foreign investment by opening more and more to the outside world. And I think that's the policy of China will continue. China and the United States are working towards creating a more stable business environment. The Chinese Ministry of Commerce has set up regular channels for foreign businesses to share their feedback. New measures on promoting the private sector hope to create a more level playing field. With China's vast industrial infrastructure and consumer base, its commitment to boosting foreign investment is a positive sign for the global economy. Huang Fei, CGTN, Guangzhou. And now for more discussions on China's market opening up, I want to bring in Mr. Jiang Gong, who is a professor at the University of International Business and Economics. Jiang, great to have you on the show as always. So what are some of the recent measures that you think has been really taking effect that China you know, aims to enhance its business environment? I mean, that is on a backdrop of the uh, recent MCHEM South China report that shows over 80% of the companies say that their businesses in China are profitable. Um, I think... The fact, first of all, let me mention that, uh, you know, I was really, one thing that impresses me from this report is that uh, um, many American businesses in China are saying that uh, they feel like the Sino-U.S. political environment relationship is stabilizing. Uh, this is actually a very good thing, I think. Uh, but nevertheless, I would still caution that, um, um, you know, the 2024 presidential election is still looming in the background and God knows you know, whether John Donald Trump is going to be back again. And that's that's going to be a big issue, I think, if he does come back. Uh, anyway, I think, um, you know, in terms of uh, uh, the fostering a more friendly and level playing field business environment for foreign companies, particularly American companies operating in China, I think one thing we can say is that China is determined to raise the, uh, the business environment uh, to a level uh, that is comparable to many many countries uh, uh, that are members of the CPTPP. China does apply for a status, a membership status of the CPTPP, which is the Comprehensive and Progressive uh, uh, Trans-Pacific uh, Trade Agreement, which raises some very high standards uh, for business environment. Um, at a concrete level, I think you know there are a couple of things the Chinese government has done. For example, uh, it, it, you know, in a in, in a meeting held by Premier Li. Only I think three weeks ago, he was talking about uh, policy and regulatory coherence. For example, you know, this is one of the things that people have been complaining about. Business have been complaining about is that you know the policies coming from the various government agencies and ministries are not very coherent, um, not moving in the same direction. And I think uh, this is one point the central government has listened to, uh, has has heard. Um, and um, uh, and they're going to do something about it. I think this is a you know, very good example, concrete example of how to improve a better uh, business environment for companies operating here in China. And also, you know, with the MCHEM South China report, of course, has a focus on the southern part of the country, where Guangdong province is undoubtedly an economic powerhouse. Uh, how does the Greater Bay Area contribute to attracting foreign investments to that region? 
Yeah, well, I mean, this area is one of the economic powerhouses of China. I mean, it's, it's driving the, mostly it's driving the growth in southern China. And there are many uh, large American companies operating, foreign companies as well, operating in that region, especially uh, um, in, in, in the manufacturing sector. The Guangdong province is, it has the largest GDP uh, in, in, among the provinces here in China. So certainly, you know, the companies operating in that region are doing well. That means that uh, most of the companies operating in China are still doing well. Again, I want to emphasize that uh, uh, China's economy is recovering. Uh, it's moving in a positive direction for sure in 2024. And I think uh, at least American companies are saying that the current uh, political relationship uh, between China and the United States are at least improving. Um, so that's a good sign, and hopefully that trend will continue and, and, and conducive to more American companies coming to China and more companies being profitably operating here in China. And uh, earlier you talked about that this is a special time, you know, regarding China and the U.S. economic ties uh, with the U.S. political season getting to its thickness in China will be hosting its top level political sessions in just a week's time. Uh, so we are seeing increased frequency of dialogues between commerce officials from those two countries in recent months. How do you think bilateral trade and economic ties would interact with the global economy at this time? Yeah, I think one of the you know, major results coming out of the, uh, the the summit meeting, the presidential summit meeting between President Xi and President Biden in San Francisco uh, was to resume all these uh, dialogue channels at various levels, actually, on, on various aspects. Uh, you know, the, the most important, which, of course, is the economic area. Uh, that's why the dialogue between the Commerce Department and the counterpart in the United States, the Treasury Department and the counterpart in China have already resumed. And I think this is a very positive sign. Um, and, and I think this trend probably continue at least until uh, the presidential election uh, in November this year. Well, it's actually, the new president will come into power in January. And actually, at least I think for the rest of the year, we are at least uh, having a uh, stable environment between the two countries. And if you also look at the trade figure, I think uh, you know after several two or three years of decline in trade between the United States and China, I think recently starting to rebound a little bit. Uh, and I hope that uh, it will rebound even more. And you know, uh, uh, I'm not sure it will come to the uh, uh, pre-pandemic level, but at least I think uh, you know, coming back a little bit uh, for trade between the two countries is a good thing for for, the, for both countries. Oh, great insights. Thank you so much, Mr. Zhang Gong, professor at the University of International Business and Economics. At the invitation of the China Council for the Promotion of International Trade, a delegation led by Suzanne Clark, President and CEO of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and Susan Schwab, the former U.S. Trade Representative, is visiting China. During the visit from Tuesday to Thursday, the delegation is holding discussions with U.S.-funded enterprises in China and relevant industry associations, and will also visit the heads of relevant government departments. Our reporter Jun Chunying has more. At noon on Tuesday, the China Council for the Promotion of International Trade held a working lunch for the American Chamber of Commerce delegation to China. Well, during the meeting, Yuan Hongbin, president of China Council for the Promotion of International Trade, held an in-depth exchanges with the President Clark and her delegation. Heads of trade promotion agencies in Beijing, Zhejiang and Henan and other representatives of Chinese enterprises attended the event. 
Chairman Ren Hongbin introduced the relevant measures that China will adhere to, with a high level of opening up to the outside world, promoting high-quality development, and continuing to create a market-oriented, legal, and first-class international business environment. A China Council for the Promotion of International Trade says is willing to strengthen communication with the American Chamber of Commerce and to jointly implement the agreement reached by the presidents of the two countries in San Francisco last year, and to better leverage the role of business associations and trade promotion agencies to further deepen practical cooperation in organizing exchange visits. They're going to hold more exhibitions and forums. And to promote more information sharing as well, and President Clark's visit aims to promote cooperation between the business communities of China and the United States, and to gain a better understanding of the latest situation of China's economic development and business environment, which once again proves that the U.S. business community attaches great importance to the Chinese market. Zhang Chunying, CGTN, Beijing. On the sidelines of the ongoing World Trade Organization ministers' meetings in Abu Dhabi, Al Yasser Hakim met with Jamal Al Jawan, Secretary General of the UAE International Investors Council at the Ministry of Economy of the United Arab Emirates. He talked about what has been achieved so far and the impact of China on global economy. But he started by highlighting the challenges facing delegates at the WTO meetings. No doubt,、uh, there's always been the dispute resolutions, because WTO really address the core of free trade circulation in the world. It's fundamental to ensure the development of the global economy has always been tied up with how flexible the rules are being adopted by the developed nations, developing nations, and least developed nations. It's quite challenging, no doubt, but it's been. So far, I believe in Abu Dhabi we will be achieving a good result out of negotiation and discussions. But we are very positive what we have seen so far. Amid calls for the return to globalization and economic cooperation rather than fragmentation,、uh, we're talking about decoupling and so forth.、Uh, what is the United Arab Emirates' view on this, and、uh, how does it see it could be achieved? We have always been. With the global trend, we have always been with free circulation of goods across the board. UAE is pro-free trade. This is fundamental for our core economic pillars, and this has been evidence when we have signed last year 13 CBA agreement, Comprehensive Economic Partnership Agreement, has resulted immediately in achieving a trillion dollar. Of, of foreign trade, so this is very good example for the world. It means that once you lift the regulations and restrictions on good circulation, it definitely address the foreign trade in a very positive way. As a significant player in the world economy,、uh, what is your perspective on、uh, China's economy and its role、uh, in the next period? No doubt, I have been monitoring China and UAE. Not only、uh, my institution, China is very important trade partner. It's very fundamental for our success to have China succeed in the global markets. Sixty percent of Chinese goods pass UAE ports, be it by air or by sea or by land. So China is fundamental not only for UAE. Not only for GCC, but for the globe to succeed 
and to ensure because China is a production nation, is considered the second biggest economy in the world, so we care a lot about China. There was a meeting here in Abu Dhabi uh, between the Chinese uh, Commerce uh, Minister uh, Wang Wintao and uh, the U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai. Uh, what can you say about a meeting between those two sides? It's always breaking news. It's always nice to see the American and the Chinese meet and discuss and agree. Definitely, definitely will have an impact. The two most powerful economies in the world, once they meet across the table and agree, this definitely disseminate positivity to the world, positivity to the decision makers. We are very happy and pleased to see that happening. Still to come here on Global Business. Restoring confidence, the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region outlines its budget for the new fiscal year with steps planning to boost market confidence and consolidate growth. Strengthening the foundation for a future powered by innovation, where high technology, high efficiency, and high quality converge. These three pillars are set to propel China's new productive forces and supercharge the Chinese economy into a new era of development. New industries, new models, and new growth momentum. Join CGTN as we guide you through the new productive forces poised to redefine the Chinese economy. Shifting gears to Hong Kong now, the SAR's financial secretary announced a budget plan for the 2024-2025 fiscal year. The plan includes some new measures to boost the real estate market in the administrative region. Now for more details, let's cross over to our correspondent Patrick Falk in Hong Kong. Hi there, Patrick. Please walk us through the highlights of this budget plan and how it expects to boost Hong Kong's economy. Well, the Financial Secretary Paul Chan said prior to the unveiling of the budget that he would be focused and effective in his use of resources. The government has really had very little room to maneuver owing to a fiscal deficit that's projected to hit more than 100 billion Hong Kong dollars for this year. That's more than 13 billion US dollars. So Chan's really had to get creative in order to balance the books and stimulate the economy at the same time. We heard a little bit about the uh, property sector a moment ago from Timothy. That was really the headline announcement uh, that the government would be scrapping curbs on property transactions. There had been strong calls uh, for this and reports have suggested that the government would go some way to doing that. But Chan uh, announced today, of course, that they were scrapping these measures altogether because the market conditions just meant that this was no longer uh, appropriate. It remains to be seen just how effective that's going to be. Analysts are suggesting that it could have some short-term impact, but in the long run, the property sector is ultimately tied to interest rates. So that's something that is not really within the government's uh, control to such a great extent. Another major announcement is income uh, tax increases on high-income earners, people earning more than five million Hong Kong dollars per year. They will be uh, within a tax bracket of 16% uh, for this year, up from a standard rate of 15% uh, previously, and chance that that would uh, contribute about 900 million Hong Kong dollars uh, to government 
the government revenue also uh, on top of that to increase the public revenue uh, tax increases on tobacco as well as the revival of a hotel accommodation tax so these are all things that are going to uh, support Hong Kong's fiscal position another thing that's worth talking about as well the government has previously talked about pinning Hong Kong's economic revival on the tourism industry and Chan announced that the government had earmarked a hundred million dollars for mega events so bringing international artists and sporting spectacles uh, to the city. He said that there would be 80 such events taking place in the first half of this year. That's on top of uh, initiatives that are already being taken to boost uh, tourism in particular and reports have said that there are going to be monthly fireworks and drone shows. Analysts have suggested that these sorts of things taking place at night might mean that tourists are more encouraged to stay in Hong Kong overnight and spend just a little bit more money. Well, great stuff. Thank you very much, Patrick Fuck, for us in Hong Kong. Let's move on to the auto sector. Shenzhen in southern China has proposed 24 measures to boost automobile exports. Just a reminder that Shenzhen is home to Chinese auto EV maker BYD, which is now the world's largest EV maker. Well, the city of Shenzhen aims to facilitate progress in car production, shipping and trade to establish itself as a new generation world-class auto city. In the meantime, Kobe Steel, that's the third largest steel maker in Japan, is planning to expand its automotive aluminum panel business in China by setting up a joint venture with a Chinese company to capitalize on the growing demand for electric vehicles. Experts in Japan are urging the country to boost its electric vehicle infrastructure if it is to remain a leading auto manufacturer. China overtook Japan to become the world's top auto exporter in December, driven by growth in electric vehicles. Chris Gilbert has more from Tokyo. At this hotel in Tokyo's Hamamatsucho ward, a small sign of progress. MyStay's group only installed this electric vehicle charging station in January, believing it'll attract new customers. It's one of only 30,000 stations in Japan, while neighboring China and South Korea boast more than 100,000. I believe the spread of EVs will not progress unless this kind of infrastructure is in place. The number of charging systems is increasing, and our company is following this trend. We hope that this will entice people to choose our hotels when they're traveling. The maker, Tira Charge, says it's experienced unprecedented growth since it switched from exporting gas motorbikes to producing charging stations two years ago. Japan really has to make EV cars now, and it has to make them well. The direction of the industry has become quite certain over the past few years. Our company has been working in the sector for a long time, so we've been following this historical shift. Large Japanese manufacturers have begun investing heavily in electric battery production in an attempt to catch up with international competitors. Japanese EV battery maker Panasonic now ranks fourth for new energy battery shipments behind China's CATL and BYD and Korea's LG Energy. In 2023, China dethroned Japan as the world's leading new car exporter, moving nearly 5 million units, almost 500,000 more than Japan. It's been spurred by the growth of EV-focused BYD, which has outproduced Tesla for two years straight. According to official statistics, less than 3% 
of these cars are powered by new energy and the government believes that needs to change. It's investing $22 billion in private subsidies to boost Japan's domestic EV battery production and keep the country globally competitive. Experts agree the investment is badly needed. We are very concerned about how Japan will electrify its cars. Whether these cars are made in China or in Japan is a major industrial policy issue. Currently, China is dominating manufacturing. The government is aiming to completely switch the country's focus to electric, looking to ban the sale of new gas vehicles by 2035, a move commentators believe may be necessary if Japan is to reclaim its crown as the world's number one car dealer. Chris Gilbert, CGTN, Tokyo. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global business. Only on CGTN. Now to the topic of affordable housing, which is deemed critical to bolster the long-term supply of low-cost homes in China. And on Tuesday, the country's Ministry of Housing and Urban Rural Development requested local authorities to make housing development plans for 2024 and 2025, specifically urging for an accurate estimation of demand for affordable housing. The city of Shenzhen offers insight into the potential size of the affordable housing market in China. The most recent data show that around 55% of newly built houses for the past three years in China's tech hub were affordable housing subsidized by the local government. The country aims to provide 9 million affordable housing units by the end of 2025, and the local governments estimate that over 5 million units have already been made available in the market. Let's move on to some other business headlines that we're tracking at the hour. South Korea's fertility rate, already the world's lowest, continued its dramatic decline in 2023 as women consider concern about career advancement and financial cost of raising children opted to delay childbirth or choose not to have babies. Australian consumer price inflation held steady at the two-year low in January with a rate of 3.4%, defying analyst expectations of a slight increase. This reinforces market expectations that interest rates will not need to be raised further. U.S. tech giant Apple has reportedly scraped its electric car project a decade after it was initially launched. Instead, the company is expected to place a greater emphasis on generative AI technology. Following the announcement, Apple shares rose by 0.7% in afternoon trading on Tuesday. And with that, I'm wrapping up this edition of Global Business on CGTN. Thanks for being with us. I'm Lulu Yunbeji. 